0: Light presents Murder Most Irish. When now it's the Murder Most Irish one hundredth episode, spectacular. Two feminist chicks were bored with the forecast. Decided to make a true crime podcast. Lots of people started listening to the broadcast. Two years later and we're still going strong, lad. We thought we lost a month. And then run down the stuff But behind every bush Is a man who's trying to kill ya Wow! And oh my god, I can't believe it It's in my mind's 100th episode Oh my god, I can't believe it It's in my mind's 100th episode Oh my god, I can't believe it It's in my mind's 100th episode
1: Oh my god, I can't believe it. It's MMA's one. Yeah. We're organized. Colin's very
2: organized this week. He has it all broken down for He's us. He's got it broken down into do one, two,
1: three, four chapters. Mm-hmm. And then we have like in each one, we've got four goodbye song. Goodbye song. Goodbye. Goodbye. Song. Anyway. Welcome to this week's episode of Murder Most Irish, which is also our 100th episode. Wee! We've made it, lads. We've made it. We now, made it, it took us a while. It took us quite a long time. But, it's all been quality stuff. <laughs> <laughs> I
2: going to put in a clip of a really bad episode. It's all now, been quality
1: stuff. Mm. Um, I can't believe it's 100. It's crazy. I um, can't believe we've done 100 of these. It's mad. Like, like it's absolutely mad that we've done 100 episodes. And then I was thinking today, because I was like 100, and then I was like, and we've done the Patreon stuff on top of that. Yeah.
2: So I always think that we're not prolific enough and we don't put on, uh, out enough content. And then I'm like, no, we actually Patreon do. Patreon always has loads on it. Loads on it. Um, so just to say thank you to everybody for getting us to this. Um. We genuinely... Jack is purring. It sounds so nice in earphones.
1: Oh, well, I will, stop. will I stop? No, probably. it sounds lovely. It
2: sounds Um. We genuinely didn't think we'd get to like four episodes. So We
1: genuinely didn't think... Oh, and do you know what I'm going to be really honest I thought I'd get to like a million episodes because I'm an egomaniac and huh. I was like I'll keep putting this out into the ether even if no one's listening because I was just having fun with Emma shouting into the dark but to get to 100 episodes and to have like on average 10,000 people listen a week is freaking insane madness and guys. you guys are honestly just hardcore and thank you, thank so, you much. so much thank you so much this week's episode is going to be
2: Broken up a little bit differently. Um, there's going to be a few little extras added in. Oh, Jack's crying. Do you need to go out?
1: No, it's just like, rub me.
2: Um, there are a few little extras added in uh, because uh, Collie wanted to pop him in. And also just to say thank you to Colin because he's the backbone of this this thing. Like, we wouldn't have it without him. And he works very, very hard for us. So, you know, he's up at like six o'clock in the morning <clears throat> editing shit before he goes to work and stuff.
3: Mhm.
2: And I don't do that, so.
1: No need to one. <coughs>
2: so just to say thank you to Colin as well for all his hard work, and and his, thank you to Jack, his enthusiasm, and thank you to Jack for being here for every episode nearly and screaming in the background. Yeah, and now he's very happy because Sarah's paying attention to him. He's just the happiest little mm-hmm. boy.
1: But no, honestly, um, thank you guys so much. It means the world to us, and thank you to all of our friends and family. Yes. that have continued to support us and listen to us. I just think it's nuts. I think it's bananas that Graham listens to this. Yeah, and like I can't thank Colin enough because, yeah. like, honestly, we would be dead in the water. Yeah, he's great. And um, dead in the water.
4: Yeah, like uh,
2: just to say, we've had so much fun doing this, um, and hopefully we'll get to do as I say. 100 more. Hopefully, we'll get to get a 200. 100 more. We're going to run out of stories. We are going to run out of stories. Although, no, there's murders in Dublin every week or in Ireland every week, it seems. Yeah. Jesus Christ of all fucking mighty. Every day is a new nightmare in this country. Um, but listen, Grant. We okay, can rant. Rant. talk about other things. other things. We also have other things too. Like, mine tonight is not necessarily about murder, there's murder involved. My one next week is... Do you know what I mean? There's murder involved in the situation. So Sarah and I are both doing a story today. So you get an extra long episode. As I said, with some extra bits thrown, <sighs> thrown into the mixture. Um, do you We're know like me? when
1: you go to Burdocks and say, throw us in a few crispy bits, will you? I have never done that.
2: What is wrong with you? Because I don't like... It. Here. Okay. Here's my argument about crispy things. I like a crispy thing. But I don't like it to be the main attraction of what I'm eating it's not the main attraction it is a bit though when you're like trying crispy bits
1: crispy bits are just a little thing that you get thrown when I top. take a non-crispy chip over a crispy chip yes no yeah, every time you're like Flavia's the exact same as you see I'm really weird about chip textures like, like fr- when I say chips, by the way, for anybody listening, oh, America, I'm talking like about French fries. fries. But y'all in America, y'all don't have actual like the chips that we have. They don't do those, right? No, they can't get them. Yes, well, it's not that I can't get them. It's You're that, missing out. But also, like, um, potatoes in America are not the same as potatoes in Ireland.
2: Here, they can take a potato and cut it into a fucking steak. Cut I know, chip. but they're not the same. Lazy bastards. Make steak cut chips. Get a potato Cut it into chunky well, chips you
1: can't get steak cut chips But they're just Put in a the deep same. fat fryer it's, very, it's a very Irish and English Fry name. them Take them out and Salt and vinegar thing. Fritz Salt and vinegar Salt and vinegar what? That's the other thing in America That like you just can't get You're like do you have say, any vinegar They never say they want vinegar And they're like with balsamic And you like, No 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 I don't No, no I want
2: I malt need, vinegar I need malt vinegar I need to, this place to smell Like burdocks at 2am On a Friday That's what I want this yeah. This to smell it. Like even the other day I was watching a video and this guy was making brownies. And he had this special cake tin that made every brownie crunchy. So every brownie had a crunch. Oh crunchie. yeah. And I was like, I don't care about this. If someone gave
1: me a soft brownie with no crunch, I would be very, very happy. No, I'm i I'm a real stickler for texture yeah, and you like you like a crunch Flavio is easy I love a crunch, but I know same. I like a crunch and a softness. Yes. Yeah. And then I don't like just a bunch of mushy chips. And I cannot stand I cannot abide by it. I won't go back. We won't agree. I'll leave a bad Yelp review if I go somewhere and the chips are not cooked through properly. And oh, like you've got that hard potato oh. in the middle. No, I hate that. My auntie Cora eating chips is a real like those, sight to be seen. Those
2: chips in Eddie Rockets were let down yesterday. Were they, my chips are lovely. No, they were kind of cold and I was like... Mm. Why do you say that? Because I like going to Eddie Rockets and the chips burn the roof of your mouth. That's my... Mm. And I like... Here's another thing. Yeah. When you... My sister does this, Becky. When you go into a coffee shop or like say Starbucks or one of these places do you ask for your drinks extra hot? Yeah. Yeah I do that too. And some, sometimes somebody I work in the other end they're like that's really weird and I'm like it's not really weird because they make the drinks like apart from, except tea they make them quite not lukewarm, but they're not. Well, it's hot. a whole, like, it's science. The legal, and it's the legal thing as well.
1: Well, you yeah, don't want to burn the science behind
2: coffee. Well, like I don't drink coffee. I'm talking yeah. about, like, hot chocolate or something like that. I'm like, burn the mouth like Kyo's. off me.
1: When you go to Kyo's to get a hot chocolate, it's fucking piping. I tell you, third degree burns, and it's worth it. Yeah.
2: It's worth the fucking money. hot visit. chocolate in Dublin. Go to Kyo's in town. And get yourself a cherry scone. Across from Central Bank, just down the little avenue across from Central Bank, get a cherry scone and hot chocolate. Oh, beautiful. Beautiful, but yeah, like I remember I went to Becky. I think it was the Starbucks, and she was like, "Can you make it extra hot?" And I was like,
1: "They were like, yeah." And they were like, "What happened to you two?" I was
2: like, "God bless you, Becky." What happened to you too and you? That's shit. Because I get hot chocolate across the road, and it's nice, but it's lukewarm, and I'm like, "Burn the mouth off me! I don't want this lukewarm bullshit." Mm. And then I go and I poo in their bathroom because I drank milk.
1: Well, I quite often what, go to drive-through, Starbucks drive-through. Yeah. Big shout out, Liffey Valley Starb- Starbucks drive-through. Uh, and I always ask for extra hot because I'm driving to work. Yeah. Oh, by the time you get there, it'll be yeah. a little bit cool. Give me your glass, come on. Um, yeah. Get this into you, Cynthia. I'm, we're drinking Porn Star Martinis. They're fucking delicious. Thank you. And uh, they're, very, they're mighty tasty. Mighty, mighty tasty. They're absolutely beautiful. Um, but anyway, that's the intro. Do we want to talk about the SAI? Do we want to talk about the... 100 episodes, that's... Yes, you're welcome. Do you want to talk about the, uh, the goings on this week? There's a lot of goings-ons. There's a lot of
2: goings on. I pick my story specifically because I do not need to be lectured to
1: by the English about our history. I don't need to be lectured by a sports pundit. Who wears a poppy? In the most patronising ignorant
2: fashion I've ever seen in my life like the amount ima- I just watched and I was like just tell him to go and shy. she
1: was so she was so diplomatic and so professional she really and was and she was like no I don't need to be educated about Irish Irish history we just need to make better choices do you motherfucker do you motherfucker do you I was like scus
2: yeah and I understand oh, I never- that some people were upset by them singing what they sang In the sense that they were like, oh, it makes us look bad. I'm like, lads, it doesn't make us look bad. Because at the end of the fucking day, it's part of our history. Yeah. Like, it's a massive part of our history. Like, you have to understand that. Like, you can't. And also, we just say that. We randomly say, like, we can't talk about this. Because borderline every episode that we do. We say up the rack. We say up the rack. So I'm not going to sit here and say anything bad about these girls. Because I'm like... We do. Does anybody
1: expect to us, Jim? I don't know.
2: Was Colin, no, Colin's <laughs> terrified. I'm like, yeah, the F.B.I. are going to come for us, Colin, next. Like, um, um, it just makes me really upset that as a country, we're meant to not speak about the things that happen to us. Like, we're meant to shy away from it and be like, oh, don't talk about that, because that's very Irish that's very Irish
1: yeah I, yeah absolutely do you know what I mean it just is that thing like, of like oh, shh, don't, don't,
2: yeah, don't, don't. don't bring that up don't make things, make
1: things awkward and don't like don't make it awkward for the English suck my dick um I thought the whole thing was just like and the thing that really upset me about the entire thing is these women did amazing despite the FAI incredible and it's all been now they've gone to, they're going to the World yeah. Cup they're an amazing football team they play amazing incredibly evidence, well yeah and and when I say despite the FAI those women work jobs yeah. they don't get paid they get enough.
2: Nothing. They're
1: in some places when they were going to train them I mean, but there wasn't changing rooms for them so they're getting changed to toilets. Like the FAI has done little nothing. to nothing and then you've got the Irish male football team who are fucking shite and don't have a hope of getting trained and have everything behind them. And have like I was just like Do you know what you can actually go fuck off. Oh and
2: shite oh, like, you like I just I'd say the, I wasn't like super enraged by that interview, but I know that there were people watching that interview and I'd say every angry bo- bone in their body was like, I'm going to murder someone. Just,
1: I think here's the thing. It's like, if like Tom Morello put up a picture. Tom Morello shared. Oh, I didn't see that. Tom Morello shared a, like a picture from like the bonfires on the fort and was like, if you want to talk about like Irish culture and, and essentially like knowing your history and it was literally, what's that? Beautiful girl who was murdered in Derry, the journalist. Oh, uh, Lyra? Yeah, there was a picture of her and there was stuff written about her on, on the Irish flag and it was being set on fire. And it was like, are we the ones that need to be educated on no, our history? we don't street? need to be educated. Because according to like the other side that's their culture. We are fully aware of our history. And I was just like To a fault sometimes we, we, we... So I was pretty angry about it because one I was all out rooting for them to do amazing Yeah absolutely. Because they're an amazing that. football team and um, the Irish team the male Irish team are fucking atrocious and then two I was like this motherfucker how dare di- like how how dare he how dare have, you? We have had instances in the Republic of Ireland I was a kid and I was brought up. Down road for the UK and Ireland football team playing against each other. We had to leave because there was a full blown riot because the UK fans riots, yeah. like tore up the fucking pulled stadium. pulled it apart. Um, and it was like, you want to like that was in 1998, I want mm. to say. You want to talk to me about Know My History? Yeah, we know our history. Do you we want to ask me if I'm
2: educated, but the thing is, they don't know their history no. because they're brought up in a, in a country where their entire history is about them being. Great Not colonialism. Great Britain. That's what it's about. It's like we haven't denied and the amount of people that even after the Queen died, the amount of people that you could see on social network platforms being like, Oh, I didn't know any No, of no, this. they don't get taught it. I wasn't aware this had happened. I and fair enough, they weren't it wasn't taught to them. Mm. Like they didn't know their history. But for a Sky News pundit to get up and say that to an Irish woman, yeah. do you think you should be educated about your Absolutely. Oh Like no mm. But I will say The only kind of good thing That's come out of this Is they have so
1: much support They do <laughs> Everybody is like Yeah come on lads. I hope like, you uh, well
2: paint the roads again I'm telling you like Fair play to them Go on girls Best of luck to
1: you We um, wish Ooh, you all ah. the... Up the football Up the football <laughs> But yeah we do wish you all the best Yeah and um, Fuck that guy mm-hmm. I'm taking off my shoes they hurt you. No, I just want oh, to be oh, comfortable. Oh, yeah, why am I on? I just want to be comfortable. I have mine on too. Hold on, we're taking them off.
2: Okay. Now we're comfortable. Oh, oh, my feet might be a bit smelly. I can't. And I you say this every week. I know, I can't smell but them they now. might be a little bit smelly. Do you anything else? <laughs> I have to look at the list now
1: because I'm like. Now, oh, that I keep I ha- now that I have a list, it. I'm like panicking about the list of yeah, things. Yeah, because now, now you're, I do. it's knocking you off your floor. It's now. in my head. I'm like. What else was in your thing to talk about? This week's been a pretty busy week. I can't remember anything. You were like, "Loads has happened." I, ha- I can't remember anything. Okay, whatever. I don't remember anything happening this week. What happened? Nothing has
2: happened to me. I'm very boring. Oh, I went yeah. to work. I came home. I saw a movie with you last night.
1: Me and I went to see see how they run, and it was very good. It was so fun. Don't believe the reviews. It was cute and adorable. It was
2: it was gorgeous. Don't believe the reviews. Yeah,
1: because the reviews were just fucking mean. The guy playing Richard Attenborough did like a really good impression of. Him. Who is he? Who's that actor? Who I don't know. It? Who play him? Who play him? Who play, play him? him? Play him. Who, play, who played the Sky News reporter? What's that guy's
2: name? Uh, said that gay men get married with the same men being, having sex with their dogs.
1: Jeremy Irons. Jeremy Irons. Yes. Jeremy Irons. Yes. We'll play that Sky, Sky News reporter? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yes, yes, yes. A good show. Fully mm. That's who will play That's going to I know regardless. we played This game before But who play you I don't know Have we played This game before We have Who did we say then I can't remember Who did we say for you Well I always think For you It'd be the girl From uh, that show On Netflix About the chess Who's from Argentina Oh uh, Anna Taylor-Joy Oh why Because she You kind of look like her What What <laughs> I
2: think she looks like a beautiful insect. Does that make sense? So do you. Like a praying mantis. Yeah, that's that's what you look like. Like this. Yeah. That's what I think she looks like. Who did we say for you? I can't remember. It was someone insulting, I'm sure. I'm going to say Barbie Fahera now. Who? Barbie Fejera. She's a model and an actress. And she's in that terrible television show, uh, Euphoria.
1: Oh, okay. I'll show know. you her. Um... um She's really beautiful. <laughs> Who'd play him in a movie? Who'd play Colin? Oh, God. Who'd play, play Graham? I don't know. Graham's super generic. Yeah, like be you a could generic, just find any man. And a generic it, like, movie star would play Graham. He's got that jawline. He's got that hairline. He's got those eyebrows. That's
2: um, what I think. i will play you. Okay. I'm about be Fajada. Okay. Fajeda, who apparently uh, plays a plus-size character in the show, and I'm like, she is max a size 14.
1: Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The yeah. usual right? The usual. You yeah, know yourself. Um. Anyway, I think that's all the news for this week. We were just outraged with the FAI. I wasn't anyway. Emma was like, uh. I was like,
2: burn it all down. Burn it feet. all down.
1: I hate the football. Yeah. Um. I absolutely despise football. So well, I'm 100 episodes it. in, and we just, as said, we want to say a great big thank you to everybody. These are all amazing. These are a great bunch of Hit lads. Shake hand. Thanks good very woman. much. It, listen, if this ends now. Good woman, good woman. We've had a good run. We've had a good run, lads. 100 episodes. Done um, and Dusted. In the bag. In the bag. And then, uh, oh yeah, so Craig's going to come to you now and he's going to talk about the news. No, he's going to do Craig's, Craig's facts. What oh, says Craig with the news? MMI facts. Oh, Jason, I'm confused. Yeah, so he's doing MMI facts, but it's the news. That's what it is. Yeah. He's going to give you some facts about murder most Irish. Oh, uh, God, I don't know Craig thinks he knows. gonna Make it all up, Craig. Yeah, make it all up, Craigie. Make it all up, Craigie. Um, so yeah, that's what we're doing now. So anyway, over to Craig
3: Good evening everybody And listeners and everyone across the world I'm Craig and these are The Facts I don't know why I'm putting on this voice But we're here anyway, so let's go (laughs) Number one the first episode of murder most irish aired on the 2nd of june 2020 a whole two years guys time is flying number two the show was ranked at number 11 in 2020's uk and ireland spotify end of year true crime chart woo celebrations <laughs> uh, number three Murder Most Irish was signed to the Go Loud Network in October 2021. Four, on the Halloween night 2021, MMI made the jump to national radio with a spooky special on FM 104. FM 104. Oh my god, I can't speak. Eek. <laughs> number five. Number five. On June 3rd, 2022, the podcast hit one million downloads. That's incredible. I love it. Number six, in September 2022, Murdermost Irish earned a silver medal in the Irish Podcast Award, true crime category. And number seven, and finally, thank God, <laughs> I only messing, in. MMI celebrated its 100 episode today. Woo! Voice is cracking, I can't do a woo. Sorry, guys, I'm Craig, and those are the facts. <laughs>
2: He's dancing with me. Here, do you remember how disgusting Cheek, his house is? Yeah. Lads, if you get a chance, i just kick the thing because I'm drunk. Go online and look up Christa Berg's house in Dublin. Why don't we just put the link on Patreon? Oh, we're not on Patreon.
1: We podcast. are on Patreon. Well, oh. Uh, <laughs> yeah, so we put the link up on the Instagram. <clears throat> Instagram. But if
2: you get a chance, if you before you get the just in Google show notes. Christa Berg's house.
1: Yeah. Dublin. It's up for something ridiculous. I, it is. It was, I found it because I was doing that thing where it was, You're uh, obsessing about buying a new house? No, no, no. I was doing that thing where I was like, it's Friday night and I haven't checked low. <laughs> <laughs> check it tomorrow. Check it tomorrow. And, uh, I lie, this is true. <laughs> I lie in bed on a Friday night when I do the low, which isn't all the time. And I look at like, what house I'm going to buy because I've won the EuroMillions. Because I've won the EuroMillions. And I lie. found
2: Christopher's Burke's house. It's, oh, I'm going to tell you, just look at Christopher's Burke's yeah, house. No, it's terrible. It's terrible. Man, has he not redecorated once since, like, 1984?
1: It, you know, it's, it's like Bargain Town came in literally and decorated the entire gaff. Including the pool. So, he has a pool. So if you ever do, if you do win the lottery, you could always buy it and rip it apart. Yeah, I would rip it apart. I would rip it apart. But there's better houses for less money, more. That's and true. Because that, like, that house is is an old house, and yeah. it's built in such a, like, I just wouldn't live there. Like it's Shana- in a Scorchy. like, a Shana- scary. Uh, Sinead O'Connor's Shana- house. I don't know, no... There, um, she has like a. Uh, she has a, a Virgin Mary. Her house is a lot. But yeah. I kind of like it. Her it's house very is up her. For and Bray. Yeah, her house is very her. Like, yeah, but I'm you like... know what I always found weird about Sinead O'Connor's Hold house? On. Sinead O'Connor is uber famous at Yes. It? And like, you can literally just walk into Sinead That's O'Connor's thing, garden. Yeah.
2: Be like, how it going?
1: Like, I always found that like so. And Not like unsettling for me, but unsettling no, but for her. Because I was like, people can just walk into your garden. Like, I knew where Sinead O'Connor's gaff was in Bray. It's like, you walk past it, you go
2: up the hill. But it's the same thing, I suppose, with Bono, where Bono has like a million security things. Bono place.
1: lives in Docky, but like, you can't get into his he gaff. You can't get into his gaff, but Sinead, you can just like... Same way. Any lives in Docky. Don't walk into her, her house. Sinead's I don't Sinead's think she lives there anymore because she's selling it. <clears throat> Sinead's gaff. Child W's. Yeah. Anyway, that was Craig. That was Craig's facts. Craig's facts. Craig's news. What's he like, eh? What that guy? That guy. He hasn't got blue hair anymore and he's very sad about it. He's sad about it, but he's trying to rectify the situation. It's not happening.
2: It's pitch black God love him God love him God love him uh, So housekeeping Do we have any housekeeping with Sarah Jane Heffernan? Housekeeping yeah. I have no Any other to say Only to say Thank you very much everybody for their messages on Instagram It's greatly appreciated um, We have gotten enough messages to answer but I haven't got a chance so I will because I've been fucking crazy busy in work but I will try my best And you know what's great It's not Sunday No It's fucking it's Saturday, Saturday. So I don't have to go to work in the morning. No. Um, Other housekeeping. Thank you to everybody that has bought our merch. We really appreciate it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So we've got some sales. So thank you very, very much. We hope you love your merch. We hope it's really nice when it arrives to you. Um, Any complaints? Don't call us.
1: (laughs) Um. Yeah. No. Do call us because we want to know if it's worth Yeah. Uh, let us know. Like, let us how know how much the margin we're really losing yeah. on it. So just tell um, us if it,
2: if you're happy with it, if it's okay. Um. I think it sizes up to four x five xl. I think, as far as I know. Um. But it's standard by. Uh Redbubble. I think if we ever get to a position where we can make our own merch, obviously we'll make much bigger sizes, but right financially we're not at a place where we can do that. Financially and time wise we're not. So if we ever do, we promise we will. But I think it's four X to five X on Redbubble because somebody was asking me. But thank you very, 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 very much for buying our merch. And uh if you ever want to own anything with our faces on, the link is in the bio on Instagram, so um
1: but yeah, I don't think I've any... I don't think I've any... Um, housekeeping? Housekeeping. The only thing, I, I do want to say thanks to all the people that sent in the lovely messages about Colin's episode. Yeah, I got loads. On, anybody who wasn't on a Patreon I has never loads. really heard him do an episode. Yeah, he's great. And he's so good. And he always
2: says to me, he's like, oh, they don't want to hear me. And I'm like, Colin, they do. Like, the amount of people that messaged me have been like, Colin was great. Have him on more. Yeah. Like, I had to show him and be like, look at this. Yeah. Are, so thank you so much.
1: Plus then, we'd only have to do a story ever
2: in <laughs> the fucking dream um, but yeah thank you very much and Colin really appreciated it too so thank you very, yeah, very no, much yeah
1: no no honestly thank you all so much um, I'm trying to see if I've got anything on Twitter if anybody sent me any messages over the week um, no the Halloween stuff just people are still asking about Halloween we're going to do
2: a Halloween episode it's just obviously not a Halloween episode um, we're coming up to it we will
1: definitely do a Halloween episode but yeah Thank you all so much. And I think that's all our. Merci beaucoup. Mercy buckets. Mercy buckets. What do we do next, sir? I panic about this list. Oh, we're doing our favorite cases. We're going
2: to talk about our favorite cases. And we can't talk about two because Colin said we can't. (laughs) Yeah, but like one of them is my all time favorite. I know, but we can't because apparently he has them on everything. So we have to pick two different ones. Okay. Okay. So let me see. I picked, because I
1: didn't really realize
2: how many. Oh, there's 100 of them. There you go.
1: I pick Raynaud Murphy. Sarah picked... Murphy? Murray? Murray. 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 Sarah picked Raynaud Murray. Uh, when Emma did that because, one, like, that episode was so well done. It was so sad. But then also I was, like, fully into the fact that Emma has solved the crime. She solved it. Just FYI, I did not she solve the solved crime. solved the crime. No, I did not solve
2: the crime. But um, that was a really interesting case. And also, you know when we did that case, she was that age when we were that age. Does that make sense? Yeah. So when she was like a little gothy kid and it's that type of music and she worked in the shopping centre that I worked in as well. The shopping yeah, center. that's true. So it was just stuff about that case that really hit home. And the fact that all her lovely little friends were like, we don't have our friend anymore. um, is desperately sad. And the fact that nobody has been brought to justice for it is insane to me. Like Dun is a tiny little place. It's not big. I Think somebody knows something, everybody knows something, yeah. And I think there's when a lot you were of... doing
1: that case, it was like, Oh, everybody knows, everybody
2: knows. And I think a lot of Irish cases are, are like that, yeah. They're like, <clears throat> we know who did it, but we're afraid to say anything, yeah. You know, that way, um, so yeah, that was a good one. My ones I picked for Sarah, I picked two. So I picked sorry, the Penny McAllister case. So the Penny McAllister's case was the case yeah. of the beautiful, stunning. Penny McAllister yeah. a fucking model Beautiful. who married that chud of a human being and then he was riding your one in the army that, that he was that's a megalodon a megalodon, megalodon so episode. he was riding that girl that was in the army and he was riding her when he was scuba diving when he was scuba diving they had sex underwater yeah Endoscopic disgusting. Suits. That whole episode was just us talking about people having sex in weird places. So that episode, not Penny's case, that didn't make me laugh, but just around that we had a, I remember the episode being I do working, remember that was really fun for me with you. Yeah. Um but just that whole case of being like that girl was worth so much more, and so much, and he was such a fuck. Remember, he was like, Oh, yeah, uh, to the other woman, he was like, Um, I told her like I wasn't in love with her, and she was like, He told me he loved me, like I was, yeah, we were fully like going to be betrothed, and he murdered his beautiful, stunning, gorgeous wife. He so didn't, she did, or she did, um, she was,
1: but Emma, that's what happens when you're like. Fuck me, cuckoo for caca, like just like, insane. He was gaslighter as well. Yeah, like and then he, he's riding her on there. He like had, I just kept thinking about how cold it was. How cold? And the cold water, water just if it gets to like pushed into your vagina. Twenty-eight degrees in Ireland. Yeah, a lake in Ireland so is cold. never hot. So cold. You're getting like, and going, Oh Jesus. Yeah. Like, that's how
2: you're getting into that lake. Um, um that story is crazy. And then I picked a second one which is a story that Sarah did about the murder of John Frog Ward. It was a really divisive case because it was John was a was from the travelling community and he was killed by an a Non non-traveler is that correct?
1: Yeah, it was just an and, everyday and, and, person, and a guy every, who owned a
2: farm. Yeah, he was murdered by him, and it kind of created this division in Ireland between people who were like, "Well, you know, people shouldn't be going onto your land and threatening you, and it, you know, you should have the right to murder someone that steps onto your property." So yeah, but that going, case
1: had loads of questions where it was like he didn't shoot him on the property. No, he
2: waited until he he ran down the road, and yeah. then he shot him in the back. Yeah, so there was a lot of stuff like that, and then obviously the gentleman who did kill John was released. Um, so it was just very divisive for people, and it kind of showed a lot of prejudice that people have, that maybe people didn't even know they had until that yeah, happened. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I think I think that sometimes people don't even realize. I their think prejudice. people realize their prejudice um, against travellers. So. And then that happened, and everybody was but so they were my two that I picked just because they're very memorable to me, and I know the John the Frog Award one um created a lot
1: of conversation. We got loads them. of conversation around, yeah, loads so of chats and loads of questions. They were my two that I picked that I. Had a quick look through. That were my faves. Mine know. were for you. So like I said, Rained, and then when you did oh, the Narina Bobbitt and John Wayne Bobbitt, I am obsessed with that case. But uh, Emma, I I'm just obsessed. there was so much about that I just didn't know. <laughs> my favorite case when you found out about the treasure. <laughs> the treasure. You're the the face treasure. when I said that. No, that like, was like my favorite part too of the entire thing. You were like, <laughs> you just want me say that again. <laughs> <laughs> oh my that, God. En- that entire thing is bananas. bananas bananas and then like i just i get the i get the comedy vision of it right because even someone very recently was at talked to me about it on work and then i was like oh they were looking for his penis and they were holding like a, a, hot, dog they had had like a hot dog container and, in the and it was on ice because it yeah. was beside a 7-eleven and I, I remember the person just looking at me being like why, do you, why do you know so that? much about this? Yeah. And I was like... I reason, I've
2: been always been obsessed with that, with that case. Like, always. That one and the my first, like, true crime case um, about the girl who murdered the other girl and cut the baby out of her stomach. Those two cases when I was growing up were, like, my two kind of cases that I was, like, completely um, obsessed with. Also, can we talk about something? Uh, I have been seeing a lot of people talking about the Jeffrey Dahmer TV show that's on Netflix. I haven't watched it. I don't want to watch it. I haven't watched it. I have no interest in watching. It's not for me. Um, I... I'm finding, like, it, it, there's a lot of people, I get it, I totally get it, where they're saying, you know, if you if you are interested in true crime, or if you listen to true crime or read true crime, like, that you're a bad person, or you're a terrible human being, or you're getting entertainment from the pain and suffering of others, and I just want to say that, just once again, that's not why we do this. I don't get entertainment from the suffering of human beings, that's not our jam here, Um. Obviously, people who are listening to this enjoy Joy true crime. So you know, we're not sitting here going, "Oh, I think John Wayne Gacy is so handsome." Like, we're not doing that because I don't believe in that, and I don't believe anybody should be glorifying serial killers. They're terrible, awful people. They're not good people. I will never buy merchandise of a serial killer on it? It's not for me. But um, just once again, that's as it's a hundred episode. That's not what we're doing. We're not. But here I, going, think
1: that, I think <coughs> that I think that show is very controversial. It's incredibly
2: controversial. I'm not watching it. I'm not watching it because I've read and listen to everything I need to know about Jeffrey Dahmer I'm also
1: not watching it for uh, not the same reasons as you because like I haven't read and watched everything about Jeffrey Dahmer um but people are online and I get that he's been played by an actor and I get that that actor is attractive but people are oh, like yeah, there's there's far. people on TikTok that are like if I had been in a club in whatever year it was yeah. I would I'd be ahead yeah freezer. because they think
2: that that God, he doesn't look like Jeffrey Dahmer. They just put a oh, pair Jeffrey of glasses on him. He's just a regular dude. He's just
1: a fucking, um, like... And then the victims of that, yeah. the victims of Jeffrey Dahmer's family have came out and said that they are being re-traumatised yeah. by watching... And how would you
2: not be re-traumatised? Like, they are putting your family member on a Netflix television show, but somebody is playing your family member. The opening
1: you're... scene of the very first episode oh, of that show is... Um, him in his apartment with a guy Yeah. he opens his fridge and the fridge you the head. see the fridge and there's a head in the fridge yeah. and that's the opening scene and it's like oh okay this isn't no. I get that like what we do there is a point there is a part of it that is entertainment and there's of no course. point in pretending that's not it because like course. the beginning of our podcast is this Yeah. however I hope you all understand and I hope you all see that like there is never a point when we're talking about those like stories where it's like oh let's make fun of it no um, These people are uh, dying, horrible, cruel, beyond
2: understandable deaths, and in no context are we sitting or going, oh la la. Like I have listened to podcasts that I have turned off, yeah. Where I have heard people in the middle of telling a story start making a joke about the victim. Mm. No, 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 no. Like absolutely, I've had that. That I've had that experience where I've been like, oh no, I can't listen to this. Yeah, I'm turning this off immediately. Like so yeah just as it's 100 episode there's a lot of uh discourse about true crime around at the moment this comes and goes every now and again um but i've been reading these books since i was a kid when i should not have been reading these books i'm watching this stuff since i was a kid when i shouldn't have been watching this stuff um and i have never once sat there and gone oh wow i really hope that a serial i can marry a serial killer yeah most people who are into this stuff are actually incredibly normal people and it is very normal for you to want to explore darker things. So please don't have anybody tell you that there's something wrong with you for doing that because that's actually really dangerous to tell a person that. There's nothing wrong with you for being like I'm interested in the darker side of life and things that are happening because that is when I tell you completely normal. I have had psychiatrists, psychologists and therapists tell me that it is Normal. What is not normal is acting on those things or, you know, uh, glorifying them. They're two very, very different things. So that's all I wanted to say. Uh, And that's our housekeeping.
1: That, well do, no that's do, not our housekeeping That's our favourite episodes Oh favourite episodes sorry um, And then I did I really liked the episode you did About that Malahide case The four victims being The McDonald's siblings mm. I'd never heard that story never. ever Never I feel like someone that listens to the podcast Gave me. the yes, tip Yes right? he sent
2: it on to me And was like have you heard about this And I was like no Now I know I'm not Let's say it,
1: But trigger episodes Fucking gold <laughs> <laughs> Comedy gold Colin Woo
2: <laughs> I'm a Apparently sentence. we're not allowed to talk about the Sevita episode or the Shergar episode Because he uses those two episodes for everything Yeah and so, he, gets, he needs to get clips of the other
1: ones I get it totally 100% But that Shergar episode's the fucking best episode we ever did <laughs> <laughs> um, But yeah that's actually I think
2: there is Oh no Holly you might have to cut this out Hold on a second I think I could be wrong Let me just double check Uh, On the 29th of October Hmm there is a march for Savita Halapanavar and it's going to be starting at the Garden of Remembrance. So the 29th of October at 1pm. So it's the 10-year march for Savita Halapanavar. So if you can go, that would be fantastic. Um, and I think, I'm not too sure who it's being organised by, but I think it's ROSA. ROSA Socialist and Feminism Group is organising it. So if you want to go just to show your support, for families of people who have gone through what Savita went through in this country mm-hmm. and in other countries 29th of October 1pm the Garden of Remembrance if you want to go so.
1: I've, I've won her case go the Nicola Furlong case no I know I did it it's not your one but it's the girl who was killed in Japan oh the that episode just oh that story just sticks with excuse me excuse me that was like, horrific sticks that at poor me. girl that poor girl um, her poor family i fucking sobbed beyond there's a, like just loads i've sobbed at but like that one is just one i remember going into work and someone being like asking me what we were talking about in the podcast that week and i start to tell them a story and i start to cry. oh no <laughs> I like uh, i was like this, just ep- this, this story just will not leave me and there there are always ones that just like stick with you of course yeah yeah, yeah. um the yeah, Sunday bloody Sunday. Sunday one as well. I found like because I did that one in Belfast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it was very long, and I like spoke to you for like three hours that night, and I had no voice at the end of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, there are so many good episodes. Mm-hmm. There's so many. There's so much new information I've learned doing this podcast.
2: And not only about like true crime, but like about everything—the criminal system about in laws, Ireland, about everything that happens in this country, about things that have happened that we didn't even know about until we started to read about it I think one of the most shocking things for me that I did not understand was one of the main reasons that um, homophobia became a massive thing in this country oh yeah was because of um, it was a political thing it wasn't even like you know a moral thing it was like we're going to make the English look bad how do we do that by the uh, conservative Irish government so stuff like that that you learn that you're like holy
1: shit holy shit balls
2: but yeah I think that's everything from our favourite cases
1: that's our favourite cases what so do we need to do now I would like to if you keep asking what's next what's what do we do next? now what's happening um, so I think I would like to do a thank you um, my thank you has, at the beginning of the episode starts us all saying thank you to all of you and I really do mean that yeah. but there are some people that like along the way just really did like help us out um, and I think they deserve a great big thank you so like for me I just want to say a great big thank you to like obviously Emma and Colin because they do this with me every day, and I love them but um I think I'd be remiss if like I didn't mention Keelan because if it wasn't for Keelan I don't think we would have found their following so yeah. early on Keelan um, really pushed us so Dinky Inc uh, wonderful tattoo artist in Dublin like pushed our podcast like and a wonderful moment. friend a wonderful friend and she did the artwork for our podcast after like the, me having a go at it she did like actual artwork <laughs> um, and so yeah And then like Obviously Just our family That like support us Like Emma's family Are amazing All of yeah, her no, Like you family so That like subscribe uh, To our Patreon Like buy our merch and buy our merch thank and like. You just have been so phenomenally supportive yeah, they're, they're the best. Uh, to Graham and Nikita. So Graham's my husband and he listens to this ep- podcast every week and uh, doesn't criticize me anymore because that <laughs> doesn't go down well we mix that. <laughs> um, to Nikita in London and Lauren and N- Nadine who like listen and Nikita always like text me whenever she listens or like she'll tell me if I've made a mistake or like how much she liked the episode yeah. and like, Dave really pushed it as well like Nikita's always telling people about the podcast yep. um, to Steve who contributes to the Patreon mm-hmm. like from the goodness of his heart although I don't think he has a heart um, to Lily who does her Lily tales whenever she feels like it. she's a diva to Craig to Flavio like I think just a great big thank you to all of those people that support yes. us and help us I
2: fully agree um
1: Thank you so much. Yes, we appreciate
2: everything you guys uh, have done. To anybody that ever told another person about our podcast as well. Yeah. Or just like said, oh, you should listen to this because that happens a lot. Like, a lot. you know, I'd be like, oh, my friend, tell me about your podcast. Um, to every person that's messaged us to say thank you to us for stuff. We really appreciate that. Um, as Sarah said to our families as well, just being so super fucking cool. And to Sarah and Colin, um, to Flavia who doesn't listen to this, so fuck him. To... Um, <laughs> All of my friends, and especially my sisters, and my cousins, and my aunties who go out of their way to be supportive about this podcast from fucking day one. Like, mm-hmm. just thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. We really appreciate it. So. What's up, MMI
0: fans? It's your friendly neighbourhood, Colin, here, interrupting the show with some messages of support and congratulations from friends and family of the show that I sneakily asked for this week just to surprise the girls. So you're going to hear from our very, very, very good friends, Keelan, Flavio, Nikita and Lauren, and, of course, Steve. Steve. But how about we kick things off with the pint-sized princess of Ballyfermot? That's right, it's Lily. It's Lily's tale. It's Lily's tale.
3: Hey, Colin! Good job on the one hundredth
0: episode. Keep it up. You're doing good work.
4: Oh. Hi there, I'm Troy McClure. Not really, this is Keelan, also known as Dinky Ink. You may remember me from such logos as Murder Most Irish. You also may remember me from the person that tattoos the lovely Sarah Jane, Emma and Colin. Um, I'm just sending a little voice note because Colin said he was putting together something for you because he's super cute. I just wanted to say huge congratulations for reaching 100 episodes can you believe that you did it? I can, because you're amazing. Uh, I remember at the start of the pandemic, Sarah Jane messaged me and said that her and Emma were going to make a podcast. I said, I would like, send it to me when you're done. I'd love to listen. And she did. And I was hooked. I thought it was so funny. Um, I've introduced so many clients to it now, because some days when we're colouring in, we just kind of play podcasts and just like have a laugh. And yeah I think I think you guys have made something really special. And you should be so proud and I couldn't be happier for you all because you're all just really lovely people and you're just really genuine and you're just really funny. Um, so yeah, I just wanted to say huge congratulations for hitting a hundred episodes. I can't wait to listen to a hundred more.
3: It's radio.
0: In the
1: corner so um, one hundred episodes, I'm so fucking sorry for everyone involved um you who are listening to this, for you who's editing this, and then for the two that recorded these, I'm just truly deeply so so sorry that you listened to hundreds of these i'm just so very sorry for all this truly my heart and thoughts are with you all i'm so sorry Here's that, Bella. <laughs> <of love>. <laughs> <laughs> Lauren is trying to do it in Irish, for you, but now she's the Lewis. So, uh, <laughs> so um, yeah, one second. Here's Lauren saying it in Irish. <laughs> do you, Vicara, Co Gorgeous on Cade episodes? Bill Woo! <laughs>
4: Murder Most Irish, starting in 2019, by Emma and Sarah Jane, fucking feminists complain about men, even though they're both in relationships with men, and the podcast is produced and edited by a man. The only podcast I listen to in double speed to get through all the feminazi shit talk should be renamed to Murder Mostly. In the last 20 minutes.
1: No, really, are we, Grace? We should have been Anyway, you lucky cunts are getting... <coughs> Excuse me. I ruined it. Stupid bitch. There's, it's the fruity bits. Yeah, I know. Do you want to get your gourd? No, it's okay. It's okay. Got then. there. Uh, anyway, you lucky people get a twofer this week. for baby. So I'm doing it. dumb criminals. She's doing dumbass criminals. Because the last time we did it, everybody really enjoyed it. Hmm. The only thing is that the last time I did it, I think I did like 12 stories or something. So I kind of like ran out of steam real quick. Yeah, no, that's fine. You see um, a huge so I'm going to do dumb ass crimes freeze, and I'm going to start now. Go! Jumping right in there. 18th of March 2021. My birthday! Yay! Well, this was a terrible time for some criminals. Oh, and for me. Uh, <laughs> on the 18th of March 2021, Gardner, were last, last night, so the night before that, so yes. the 17th, were hunting for a gang of dumb criminals who had 2.8 million euros worth of cocaine, smuggled into Ireland and then just failed to pick it up. How do you do that? So wait, this is so bad. Sources have revealed that 41 kilograms of cocaine was sent to Ireland by a UK drug gang and they were meant for dealers in Northern Ireland. But the gangsters failed to collect it after 10 days. (laughs) They were meant to collect it but never turned up. They may have been spooked and thought the load was compromised or they may have decided to leave it a few weeks before picking it up for security reasons. But either way, they've lost the entire amount. All of it. They say the cocaine, which was seized by the Garda in North Donegal, was hidden inside a van that was brought into the Republic via ferry from Britain in the first week of the month. So, like, they made it in. It was cleared by co- like they. They got not- it in. Yeah, it was. Which fine. is like the main. Yeah, thing. the main bit. It got cleared through customs. It like it went to this. Like set in this van. And they just left it. It's understanding that the van was parked in a location in Milford, North Donegal for 10 days before a member of the public became suspicious and contacted the garden because they thought it may have been stolen. So it's understood that the person who owned the property where the van had been parked had no idea that it contained drugs. The garda then seized the vehicle and brought it to a station, where they took it apart and found packages of cocaine hidden behind the door panels. The find was made by the Milford District Drug uh, Police, and yeah, they like they never found out who owned it. Like, they imagine never... like that amount of money—that's two point eight million euros and as well, worth of drugs. Putting it in now, it's not two point eight million euros, and I, I say this all the time, and. Uh, whenever I say it, people look at me as if I'm like a fucking drug lord. That's not, that's just the street value. It's the street that's value. Not how much the criminals have paid for it. It's the street value. Like, and Graham's always like, hey, what do you mean? But you know what
2: else is the thing, right? So say they park that van in, like, I don't know, Park West. No one would pay attention. If you park a van like that in Donegal. Mm. Like, if they if that was parked in my village, yeah. I'd mean, be on the phone numbers, really. I, mean, I go to your mum's house uh, and people come in. and say van outside my house for two weeks. Are you fucking thick? Yeah. You're not. You're in the sticks, man. Yeah. They watch for everything.
1: everything. Like, they've nothing else to do. No.
2: You fucking dum-dums.
1: So, anyway, it was never... No one was ever caught by it. That's the first of my stories. The next story, this one's... Ian Howe, twenty four Cherry Orchard Avenue, Bally Whoop, Whoop Whoop Whoopalia <laughs> was attempting to rob a safe from Ladbrooks and Sundrive Road during one of their busiest weeks of the year. Because it was Saint Patrick's Day and Cheltenham Week, the safe was packed with six thousand euros worth of cash. Right. Ian had the help of two accomplices and a load of and a load of sledgehammers to knock the safe right out of the wall. And that they did. The three lads ran out of time at like the worst possible time. Yeah. Uh, by the time they were banging the safe into the back of their van, the guard had busted them. So the guard, they were putting the safe into the back of their van, and the guard, the guard like, are you all right, there lads? Yeah, pretty much. But Ian was so desperate not to be branded an Ireland's dumbest criminal. <laughs> it was then that it struck him. His best idea literally ever. He hid from the Garda and the bookmakers he was robbing. Good man. Good uh, man, Ian. Good man. Howe, obviously a hide and seek champion, <laughs> jumped behind an advertising hoarding. It was no use though because the Garda had extensive hide and seek training and so they found dumb. him straight away <laughs> and he, he went to prison for, for stealing it How got two and a half years that on top of five year sentence he's already serving for possession of firearms oh shit we're no experts but How has probably proven himself worthy of the title it's the, the title he was desperately trying to avoid fucking How. yeah but I know like there's loads of stories I remember one of the uh, shops was being robbed down the road and um the guy like the fella was being ran out of the shop he was being chased and he was up behind him and he ran smack bang into the wall and knocked himself out. Oh, and I was just like immediately caught.
2: That's the thing like you're going to be caught. Like, like and I think of it as a lot of these criminals that do these things they're actually just idiots. I know like, another story kids, like...
1: of an- another guy that was like he's going to do a heist he's going to plan to like steal break like do a heist in the credit union. Yeah. And about like two weeks before it, he was doing like formation like like rolls and ducks and tumbles and <laughs> Um and then like went down and proceeded to try steal like rob the credit union and was like immediately arrested Jesus Christ um, so hard to me kind of
2: I think a lot of the especially around here I think a lot of these people are actually not hardened criminals they're just kids that have like been told to do this thing and then when it goes wrong they just look so dumb because they're yeah. not criminals they're not yeah. professional criminals you know that way idiots
1: morons Dopes, the whole bleeding lot of them. Excuse me, this one always gets me. This one's a gas story. I don't know if I ever told you the story. Go on. This guy who was at a house party uh, got up off the couch at a house party and went and robbed the chipper. He took the till money as well as a bag of chips and a bottle <laughs> of 7-Up. While he was asleep on the couch, however, before he went out and stole or robbed the chipper, yeah. his mates had throwing a big old cock on his face. Stop. <laughs> with a Sharpie. Stop. So the chipper just reported that the guy had a cock on his face. That had robbed them. The guards had your man found within the hour while he's walking around town with his chips and lemonade and a Magda of co- <laughs> and a on his face. He made the front page of the Metro the next day. Jesus Christ. <laughs> God bless them. Um, this one actually, a two men robbed the weekend's bank deposit from a place that um, so it doesn't mention where it was but it was like a police business they used their own car with their own reg as a get- getaway vehicle excellent they drove straight home buried the loot masks and fake weapons in a flower bed in the back garden then Toffoli left a shovel stuck in the ground right above where they dug it Jesus um, before um, Toffany left it, before traipsing a trail of mud into the kitchen they sat down to have a cup of tea just as the guardian arrived and knocked on the door, and we're like, like, we, we've we got evidence. But like that's just
2: how? Like, I would know not to do that. Not I'm not your a own criminal. Car, like, your own car. I'm her. not a criminal. I'd be like, you don't use your own reg and your own car. Yeah, like, you steal a car. What do you do? Like, that's the thing. Some of these I'm like, okay, I would know not to do that, and I'm not even a criminal. That's what I mean when I feel a lot of these kids are just forced into doing this shit. Well,
1: that was like Richie. So Richie owed drug money and someone came to the house and was like, if he doesn't... Do this thing. If he doesn't... And it was a pub. If he doesn't break into this pub and steal the money with these two other people, like, we're going to shoot him or you have to pay his debt. It's insane. And then my parents paid his debt. Jesus. I'm never having kids. No, don't have kids. Fuck them kids. Guy stole computers from DCU where he was studying at the time. Jumped out a window to escape. Broke his leg. Lay in some bushes for 12 hours until his friends came to get him in a wheelbarrow. Yeah. Got caught and arrested when they were wheeling him out. Best part is they wanted the computers to design a computer game to rival Angry Birds (laughs) called Angry (laughs) Pigs. Um, then there's another... So this one happened over in Ballymount. So... Oh, super close. Um... They got broken into. The guy couldn't get through the doors so they climbed up onto the roof and fell through the skylight. Setting off the alarm at least one of them cut themselves and bled all over the place. They took a bunch of computers. The business over there is an NGO and what they do is they sell cheap refurbished computers to Africa. Um... And they packed as many computers into some suitcases. Oh my. Suitcases? Yeah. They then got outside and were afraid of being caught. So they hid them in a nearby bush and bolted. The next morning, shortly after it was discovered, there was a break-in. The suitcases were found. The CCTV showed a few days later a van pulling up outside uh, to the place. People getting out and looking for the suitcases. The computers they attempted to steal were all around five years old. Um... With no software un- installed on them, so they were like point like worthless. Worthless. And mm-hmm. they basically would have been too cheap to like, to, like to do jump anything the fa- Like, just they wouldn't have been no money. point to it. No whatsoever. Whatsoever to it. Like, just imagine risking your like, like, you know, you do
2: something like that, you're risking the potential of like getting a job in the future or, you know, having a criminal record.
1: Imagine you do something that fucking stupid. But that's the thing I always say about people Jeez. who steal from work. So, like, I always say to people when I'm talking about theft and work I'm like you're for the value of what you're going to steal you're going to lose your job yeah you're like and we will criminally prosecute yeah 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 like you won't I can't give you a reference yeah Like just say you worked you're here like like that's the thing it's like if somebody rang up and was like oh my this person worked for Amazon or whatever like you know what I mean it's so ridiculous um desperation stages. Oh, this one's good. Two lads robbed a shop before the next town. Lad one waiting outside on a scooter got scared and take took off. <laughs> lad two, That's me Lad two came outside with the money, Seeing his friend was gone.
3: <laughs> uh,
1: so decided to That's com- me, commandeer a car in the forecourt. <laughs> One that was pulled in... In the forecourt? Yes, it was like in, in the forecourt. Oh, sorry. I was, it was thinking, like no, a, it was in the fucking forecourt. It was court. like a, D, a petrol station. Right. It was pulled in to get petrol. However, the guy hadn't filled it up. So the guy who commandeered the car only managed a few miles before oh, it cut Jesus out. Christ. So he hitched a ride the rest of the way. He went straight to the pub and proceeded to buy drinks for everyone in there. When asked how he could afford this, all of a sudden, he was rumored to have said, Ah, sure. It's not my money. By this stage, the robbery was all over the radio and the garden. You
2: fucking ticked fuck. For- <laughs> the
1: Garden were in the pub an hour later. There is an edit to this. There was a time some obviously non-local, extremely unintelligent and extremely unlucky burglars decided to break into the wrong house in my town, which was inhabited by three brothers, all fucking huge and complete nutcases. Youngest brother woke up first, went downstairs and found two men in the sitting room, proceeded to throw them both around the place... Other two brothers woke up woke up from this and came down and joined in. By the stage, the two burglars were screaming for help, which got the attention of the guard in the station next door. <laughs> he opened the door and the two fellas supposedly crawled over to him, begging to be saved. Jesus so they got arrested Christ. and hospitalized. But burglars, do your homework first. Um, There was one gas one. I couldn't stop laughing at it. Oh, some guy threatened something. He was like, Robbed an offy, like an off license, threatened the staff with an ax and he only took a slab of curling. Stop. Yeah, and the comment below is like, if you're going to jail, at least go for the 100-year-old brandy. Like just took like- a, Just take something good, sir. A slab sir. of like curling. Isn't and that then, like really cheap? Yeah, really cheap, disgusting like manky That's beer. Holding up an off license is a knife for a slab of curling. Yeah. Sir, go to therapy. Um, then there was the story of, so there's a really famous pub in Dublin called the Black Line Pub. It's on Parnell Street yeah. and it's really well known to be rough. Um, Shout out
2: to Emma bringing her mother there one night. <laughs> and then Guy ringing me going, where are you? And I said, that pub. And he said, get the fuck out there. Right yeah, now. yeah, yeah. And then I went to get my mum and she was legitimately talking to a member of the IRA at the yeah, bar. Yeah, and I was no, like, it's... we need to go now, Catherine. So
1: the story goes, is that two um, <clears throat> African men mm-hmm. um, Went into the Black Line pub on Parnell Street and attempted to extort protection money. Oh shit! So they were like, um, "Oh shit!" Like we need you need to pay us you protection pay money. Us. The barman calmly told them that he hadn't got enough at the moment, but that if they came back after lunch, he would pay them. They did go back after lunch, and the doors of the most infamous pub in Dublin were locked behind them as they entered. They were introduced to the lads from Summerhill. Yeah. Like, I know of, like, places around here that pay protection money.
2: Yeah, there was a pub up there that used to have to do it. Yeah. In Park West. Yeah. And then there was a murder there.
1: Wasn't there, but the fight started there and Ah, then it ended up in it. But I
2: knew, I remember somebody telling me that they were, like, paying protection money.
1: Yeah. I was going to talk about the Colopy lad that shot himself, but it's kind of sad. Yeah, no, it's... it's it's, it's so dumb, it's but so it solves really It sad. is sad, but it's very this dumb. There's a guy from Limerick who made like a stupid YouTube video and in the process shot himself with an illegal firearm. Oh my god. Everybody get off the internet. Log off, bitch. Like, log off. But I enjoyed them.
2: I always love them. Um, Mainly because. That oh, wait, got, I've got one more. I've okay, got one awesome. more. Go. Where is it? Mainly because that guy on the scooter would, would oh, be. Actually,
1: not save. Let me see. I'd be gone in three seconds. Oh, I know where I put it. This one is, is... I know this one because I know the guy that they're talking about in this. Okay. So, a freight train travelling from Northwall in Dublin to Cork stopped near Kylemore Bridge in Inchcore, which is... Kylemore Bridge is up the end of Balfour, oh, near okay. Um, This used to be really common. Okay. So, um, a man boarded the train with the intention of throwing beer kegs <gasps> off to is an the campus? guy who got his
2: fucking... Yes. Yeah.
1: Got During the robbery, this. a keg rebounded under the train's wheel and the wagon carrying the beer was completely derailed like there was a massive train crash and then a second came close so the second cart came close afterwards missing kegs were found at intervals along the track where they probably would have been collected if the raid had not gone so badly wrong a man in his 20s who was not an employee of Road Erin was found near the track with head injuries and also missing his two bottom legs yeah. um, and was treated in St. James's hospital. Nobody has been in- detained for the involvement in this incident but Garda says his file has been prepared at the DPP. Now, I believe that that guy was prosecuted. Yeah, because I remember Garda's dad me about this. He's still in body for me. He, yeah. he wheels around in his wheelchair. His wheelchair um,
2: I remember Garda's dad me about that years ago. Yeah,
1: because that happened what year did I say? No idea. I'm should sure it happened like 1995.
2: Yeah, because I remember, and I um, just remember because he was we, we Gar's dad was dropping me back. God, I was living on a quirk Street, I think, and he and that guy was in his wheelchair, and Gar's dad was like, Do "You know what happened to him? Yeah, and he, he lost me, his legs." Like, in a
1: fuck off! Oh, that's what happened to him. Yeah, like madness. I tell thee. I'm trying to think. Is there any more? No, that's it. It's not very long. It was perfect. Are you sure? I'm doing a whole ass fucking
2: story now. Oh, okay. These motherfuckers getting enough. You have to plug the Patreon now. Now Sarah
1: is going, here comes Sarah to plug our wares. There <laughs> <Yay. laughs> she goes. All right, this is Patreon. It's got 21 questions with me. We got 21 questions. Go no, Oh, they can, can do 21. that. They can do that. Yeah, yeah so okay. we got 21 Maybe. questions with me, but it's also going to be a video. So like we're going to oh. video the content. Okay, I did I understand that? Part. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. So it's going to be a video and we're going to put it on the Patreon. Um, and as said, and as always said, if you can support us on the Patreon, thank you very much. And if you can't, you can't and that's fine. And that's it. And I don't it makes Emma it. really uncomfortable. <laughs> um, I'm like, <laughs> uh-huh. no, I um, no, thank Sarah's you very, very good at doing this. Yeah, if you can support This sport is a you hidden can. talent that we have discovered from Sarah Jane. I'm really good at like selling stuff. Yeah, she's excellent Not, like, at it. It, But I'm good at work no, selling. No, you're good at like, like pushing selling things. Selling things that I need to make Making people I, I had to do like a personality test today and work for this okay. uh, training session that I'm doing on. Oh, it's like a psychometrics evaluation. And um there's so, like obviously what they said. I don't know. Cunt. No, what they said was actually I'm so everybody else got like it's done in colours. I'll okay. show you. Yeah, please. So it's done in colours and the colours are represent a specific thing. So there's like, like performance, people or process. And it's like if you're all of one of those things then that's what drives you. I am literally smack bang in the middle. Oh, so you're like, bam, bam, bam. So I'm like 38% performance, 34% people and 28% process. Mm. And then there was like, so Jim was like, what colour are you? And I was like, I'm not any colour. I'm literally like, there's a triangle and I'm just in the middle. Oh, you're right in the middle. Like, um... You're slap bang. Yeah. And then there was a thing around like, how do I experience conflict? And I have to say that... I was really honest in the test and it was actually bang on but they were like your conflict sequence are I analyse the problem first I then become quite assertive and then my last step when I can't get either of those two steps to work is that I become quite accommodate. like I'll accommodate yeah. and that's totally me like I'll just get to a point in a conflict where I'll go I don't care about this I don't anymore care we need to move on yeah like you could all just fuck off like do whatever you want we need to move on I um, want to do this test yeah it was actually a really interesting test I'll see if I can remember the name but of the lightning like crazy person I'm sure we had to pay for it. It's called Core Motives. Core motives. Core motives. But yeah, um, I thought it was really interesting. I love those types of tests. Yeah, like the Myers Briggs. But the Myers Briggs test is just made up. I don't. Whenever I get it, I'm like, I'm not. This is not me. Yeah, but you know who made it up, don't you? No Do idea. you know is a psychologist? Distra- no, it's worse. Who? Myers Briggs test was made by a woman and her daughter, who were trying to for figure out her compatible partner. <gasps> That's it. Like that's all. Uh, sorry. Mothers who are obsessed with their daughters finding husbands are weird. Yeah, Please stop it. Now it was it. in like the fucking 1940s or something. Um, but like it's it's found so to be like, like. Darling, will we do some to... opium and figure out who your partner to... is? Would you like some heroin
2: for the pain? They all talk like this. Yeah. That's exactly what was um, oh, R.I.P. Angela Lansbury. She was old. Just say hi, Peter.
1: <laughs> you bitch. Just say hi, Peter. No, listen. Here, do you know what my dad... My dad is in the house yesterday. No, way, he just likes to be controversial. Yes, he loves it. He was just washing the dishes in my house and he just went to me and... Uh, Angela Lansbury said, And I was like, yeah. And he was like, all those cunts on the internet saying she was great. We used to get slagged if we watched Murder, She That's not Angela Lansbury's fault, sir. And <laughs> I was like... How is that her he fault? And I was like, she wasn't that she- great. And I was like, it's like the time he came into the house like two months after the Oscars, and he was like, Well, Will Smith's ruined his career. And I was like, What? Well. And he was like, Well, Smith's ruined his career, right? And I was like, Are you talking about Well, I would just like Chris- to
2: say, Chris Ross punched Chris Ross in the penis. Have you seen that on TikTok? <laughs> every time someone does it it makes me laugh so they have like somebody made a video and they were like so chris rock punch will smith in the penis and then someone comes on taking the piss and they're like hey guys so chris ross punch chris ross in the penis <laughs> kills
1: me kills me every time um, how many goals but yeah my like- you new know, i cannot hearing that woman's that that house the dragons woman She's like we're in the oh, top. Oh, Negroni. And the- Negroni. A sexy Negroni. My favorite thing is just the other girl going, "Oh, stunning, stunning, I stunning! love her, stunning,
2: I love that girl." I've not watched that show. I won't watch it because I don't care about dragons. Is it dragons? Yeah, yeah. I don't care about dragons. And fucking your uncle. I'm fucking your uncle and dragons. Incest is sexy. They love the. In- they fucking love it incest. In twenty. What they? year are we? Twenty twenty two. Twenty twenty two, lads. They love a bit of a bit of the incest. Is that it? Yeah. I yes. don't know. Okay, so Colin's going to put a commercial in here now. So for more shite. But you have to buy. I, well,
1: no, it's just a Patreon commercial. Yeah, oh, yes. I like his commercial. It's I good. I do. It makes me laugh. Yeah, it makes me laugh.
2: Nothing makes me laugh more than the uh, song that he puts at the start of the picture. <laughs> it's <laughs> the funniest fucking thing ever. So yeah, okay, bye. Thanks. Okay, don't if you don't want to. You don't have to want it. Hey, Colin, tell us about
0: the Patreon. Sure thing, Lily Pops. Hey there, MMI fans, it's me, Colin, and do I have news for you. It's all going down over at www.patreon.com forward slash murdermostirish, where we've totally revamped our Patreon offering for you mega fans. That's right, now all of your favourite Patreon stuff can be found in one place as we bring you our MMI Super Show exclusively for Patreon. Featuring all the usual banter and chat between Emma and Sarah Jane, plus me thrown into the bargain, along with Lily's Tales, Maximilian's Bell Bag and some surprises along the way. But that's not all. Every single week due to popular demand, we will be bringing you a full-length story. Whether it be Miscellaneous Most Irish for those cases that just don't fit on the main show, Murder Most International for those cases you guys have been crying out for or even Music Most Awesome where we talk about our favourite albums. But wait, there's even more! How about MMI Drive, the fan favourite podcast show where Emma and Sarah Jane drive around Dublin talking about all sorts of shite plus our monthly Ask Me R segment where you get to pick the brains of the girls and maybe even ask me a question or two. So what are you waiting for? Come on over to www.patreon.com for slash Murder Most Irish and join in the fun for only €6 Euros a month.
2: Give my mummy €6. Euro. Um, hello, we're back. Yay! From we're our back. flogging our wares, lads. Yeah, thanks very much. And sorry. I'm going much. to do a story this week. And my story is a historical Irish story because apparently we don't know our history. And we need to be educated. And we need to be educated. We need to be educated. Uh, we're all stupid potato lovers with pigs in the
1: kitchen I got a new bra is it nice let me see oh it's stunning and look at how well it fits me where is that from Marks and Spencers that is gorgeous and if it's all I watched this lady on TikTok and she teaches you about like how to bra, your bra. Say, and I watched it and then I went and bought a bra and try, I tried on loads of bras and I just this thing gorgeous. is like fits me perfectly I love it like my breasts beautiful are just held so comfortably there's no padding. My 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 my. I do not need padding. They're beautiful. Um, I know. I know you were about to tell people. No, I love about your elegant brass. Story. But I was
2: educating people about brass and brass sizing. Yeah. Um. So yeah, this week I'm going to do a story about a very famous, uh, woman, historical figure in Ireland. She's still alive. Incredible person. And this week I'm going to talk talk about Bernadette Devlin. Oh, <gasps> Bernie. We're going to talk about Bernie. And yes! I call this episode uh, Bernadette Devlin, Fidel Castro in a mini skirt because that's how she was described.
1: And that's a great way to describe her yeah so no justice no peace th-
2: here we go so my references this week are from wikipedia az quotes UK, and thoughtco the guardian bbc news alphahistory.com the irish times irishcentral.com i got that. and this book by daniel Radcliffe called say nothing that's a great book um the irish times again and where else did I get it from derryjournal.com this guy daniel Radcliffe,
1: has one of the best voices the best voices it's the most super. And his books for are reason. I, I, I don't read because I have ADHD, but I've listened to all of his books on Audible.
2: Um, so that's who the references are from. there's see this one. beautiful. Um, I'll put all the references. That's Emma doing research. <laughs> <laughs> I'll put all the references up online because some of the articles are actually very, very interesting to listen to, or listen to to read. Um, so yes, strap in, bitch. There we go. So, 1972, the 30th of... Jan- oh, actually, before I start, start massive trigger warnings for uh, violence. Um, that's about it. Just a lot of violence going on in this episode. So, just if that's not something you're comfortable with right now, please don't listen. So, 1972, the 30th of January. British paratroopers with no provocation opened fire and murdered 14 unarmed protesters in Derry. This massacre would go on to be known as Bloody Sunday. Bernadette Devlin had marched with these protesters, had stood and watched in horror at the bloodshed and murder. As the people of Derry marched for equal rights, they were shot down in the streets. The next day, after a coroner in Derry called the event, quote, sheer, unadulterated murder, Westminster held an emergency debate. Bernadette sat in the house, traumatised. This was the next day, by the way. Bernadette sat in what house? The Westminster, in the House Commons. Oh, okay. Traumatised as the MP for Ulster, And listen to Reginald Maudling, the Conservative Home Secretary, tell the politicians gathered that it was in fact the, quote, IRA men who opened fire first and the paratroopers acted in self-defence. A lie. This was a lie. The people of Derry knew it and Bernadette, who had watched some of those 14 people die, knew it too. The paratroopers murdered these people. They aimed and fired indiscriminately. Bernadette stood to speak a number of times, but Selwyn Lloyd, the Speaker of the House of Commons, would not call on her. It was then Bernadette realized that Maudling and Lloyd had conspired to make sure Bernadette would not be called on. So she chose another method. She called out, "Is it in order for the minister to get up in this house unchallenged and tell lies?" Lloyd told Bernadette that in no way was she to call a minister a a liar. Bernadette spoke again. I will withdraw the word but not the sentiment but I assert my right as the only witness to speak. The speaker replied the Honourable Lady from Mid-Ulster has whatever rights in this house it is within her power to exert. Bernadette had enough. She left her seat and walked down to the param- sorry parliamentary floor. She wanted to lift the mace as an act of protest. So there's a mace in the middle of the House of Commons that people yeah. left as like, yeah. Realising it would be too heavy she turned and caught sight of the liar modelling. Bernadette walked towards him, lifted her hand and slapped him straight across the face.
1: What?
2: A brawl erupted in the House of Commons with Tory's, Tory MPs lunging for Bernadette Fucking and Parliament, Parliament was suspended for the day. Bernadette dealt with the aftermath with unwavering strength and conviction. As the British press paid more attention to Bernadette's slap than the murder of 14 people by the British army, Bernadette stood resolute they called her a thug violent and unladylike when asked about her slap years later Bernadette's response was my only regret is that I didn't hit him hard enough <laughs> I love this woman I love, her. I love her Bernadette Devlin was born into a Catholic household of Irish Republican ideals her father John had instilled a strong knowledge of Irish history into Bernadette from a very early early age So Bernadette was born on the 23rd of April, 1947, and she was the eldest of six children. So I just wrote here in parentheses, it's important to note that neither Bernadette's parents, her mother or her father, hated the English or Protestants. They were just aware of the damage that the British government had caused Ireland. And before they met each other, they're both Catholics, they were both seeing Protestant people.
3: So they didn't
2: hate, you know, random, you don't want to hate English people, I hate Protestants. They were just like aware of the terrible things that had happened to their country and they were like people are responsible for this and where is she from? But she's from Tyrone but she was like
1: not everybody is responsible yeah, for yeah and this. I think probably the, uh, being a Catholic they would have had a, an awful lot of injustices against them they couldn't get jobs that's the thing couldn't. but they and the, but
2: she said like they didn't hate English people or Protestants yeah for that. they were just like we want to like, make
1: that change we just know that, that this is going on and we will fix it yeah like, so her family lived in Cookstown in County Tyrone just like how I feel about the fact that there isn't any uh, croissant shops in Dublin anymore Disgraceful. in County Tyrone and they were working class people so at the age
2: of nine Bernadette's father passed away leaving her mother Elizabeth as an only parent to six young children the family survived on welfare and found themselves in extreme poverty more than once This experience would go on to shape a lot of Bernadette's views and reliefs. She described her experience on welfare as, quote, the depths of degradation, especially in like the 50s in
1: Northern Ireland.
2: Ireland. Her activism and political career began at an early age when at 18 in 1968, she began studying psychology at Queen's University in Belfast. It was here during the Troubles that Bernadette would take on a leading role in the People's Democracy. The group were a civil rights-based group whose goal was, quote, a non-partisan, non-political organisation based on the simple belief that everyone should have the right to a decent life. The group was founded on the 9th of October 1968, partly in response to an attack on the Northern Ireland Civil Rights Association in Derry on October 5th, 1968, by the RUC. So I don't know if... I don't know about that attack. I'll tell you about it. So, not, I know not not, not a whole lot of people who aren't Irish might understand this, but, uh, Northern Ireland at that time was, Catholic and Protestant that's how it was described Catholic people did not have the same rights as Protestants most nope. of them were living in abject poverty they couldn't get jobs they weren't allowed to be in the police force their kids weren't given proper schools you Some, couldn't
1: you could only a household could vote that's it it was a household voting system it wasn't a, a because by person. Catholics had more kids yeah person
2: by person voting system so that's why um this divide had happened and that's why there was so much injustice going on if you're wondering you know what this is about so the group consisted of members of the NCAR as well as members of the Labour Party and Independence so they had five aims so this is from Wikipedia so their first aim was one man one vote which basically means yeah. as Sarah's saying they were voting in households which is fucking bullshit repeal on the Special Powers Act an end to gerrymandering of electoral boundaries So this meant that in 1968, in predominantly Catholic Derry, where the total nationalist vote was 14,000 and the unionist vote 9,000, the local government council compromised of 12 unionist and eight nationalist members, even though there was nearly double the amount of nationalists in the place at the time. So they were gerrymandering. So freedom of speech and assembly. And the fair allocation of jobs and housing. Now, this is a massive one. So the state was essentially and unapologetically biased in the favour of its majority population in terms of the allocation of council houses and jobs. So Sean O'Hagan, in his piece for the Guardian, wrote that his Catholic parents, when they got married, were on a waiting list for a council house for 15 years mm-hmm. because they were Catholic. No other reason because they were Catholic. So the People's Democracy as well as the NICRA saw Martin Luther King and his march on Selma as a massive inspiration and on October 5th 1968 a four-day civil rights march was carried out from Belfast to Derry where they espoused the non-violent tactics of King. The British government regularly banned marches from going ahead and on the 5th of October this was no different. William Craig, who was the Minister for Home Affairs, placed the ban hours before the march was to take place. So he was like,
1: you yeah, all aren't allowed
2: to walk through here. Yeah, it was constant. It was always done.
1: Yeah, but they used to do it last minute. Yeah. Craig
2: um, decided that a loyalist march that was to take place the same day Could. would take precedence. Um, the dairy activists said, fuck that shit, and decided to go ahead anyway. So this is kind of the start of the nationalists in Ireland uh, in Northern Ireland I beg your pardon and the Catholics in Northern Ireland taking a stand this is when this kind of properly kicked yes. off so only 400 people attended and the organisers did voice their disappointment that there was some war however this march would lead to a seismic shift and a radicalization of the people of Northern Ireland when the treatment of the peaceful protest sorry activists turned violent so the REC began hemming protest the, the REC began hemming protesters into one area And immediately took out their batons. Like, didn't give them any warning. Immediately. Um, Beating men, women and children. They cracked people's skulls and spilled blood on the streets of Derry. A cameraman for RTE was on the scene and caught the event in full. Filming as an er elderly man was struck from behind, the baton slicing his face open. And there's actually, if there's video of this, but if you don't want to watch it, don't watch it. But there's a video of it where the policeman that's doing it doesn't realise there's a cameraman and as he hits your man he just turns and the camera's like right in his face
1: and he just
2: turns his face real fast
1: Oh, I'd like
2: like to see that so 18 year old Bernadette Devlin stayed with the crowd she was there she tried to help tried to stop the violence but on that day she realised something she said quote you could feel the hatred that's my recollection of that day it was my first realisation that the police hated us oh god so the coverage caught by the cameraman on that day did more to evoke outrage towards the Catholic people of treatment of the Catholic people of Ireland than years of campaigning by nationalist politicians. Derry was in the spotlight. It was being compared to the marches at Selma, to the dogged activism of Martha and Martin Luther King. People were listening. The media was listening. And Bernadette Devlin knew this would be her life's work. So as Bernadette began her activism and continued her studies, her mother suddenly passed away at the age of 46. Bernadette would now have to help raise her siblings as well as continue the life she was making for herself. So she had like five siblings she had to look after. She was in college studying to be a psychologist and then she was doing all this activism work. Oh my God. I can't do anything. No. No. Bernadette held her family together as she fought for the civil rights of her own people. The reaction to the violence at the Derry March was a domino effect, which led to marches happening all over Belfast and Derry. 2,000 students marched in Belfast against police violence and were met with the RUC once again trying to shut it down. A march took place in Armagh that was organised by the People's Democracy led by Bernadette. So as they marched through Armagh, they were met with ro- like rows of RUC officers. You know those images you see? And behind them, hundreds of J- Union Jack flag-toting loyalists these were the Paisleyites or Ian Paisley's little bunch of lapdogs just google Ian Paisley because I don't want to talk about him I hate him I hate the cunt so they commandeered the town and a rumour had spread that a Protestant shop owner had handed out pickaxe handles and wooden sticks to them in order to beat the protesters oh. as the marchers looked on the loyalists lift the pick like they lifted the pickaxe handles in an act of intimidation so he had handed out these like he's like went and beat the shit out of them for no reason for no reason the RUC asked the marchers to turn back for their own safety and they did as the loyalists laughed and yelled at them. So they knew they were outnumbered. Wasn't they? Like they were like, they're going to kill us. Like They're going to be seven shades of shit out of us. This, however, raised a question within nationalists. What would happen if a group of nationalists commandeered a town and would not let a loyalist group pass? They already knew the answer. In both situations, loyalist violence would win. So they were like, so you're allowed to do that and tell us to fuck off. But if you come into a Catholic area, we're not allowed to tell you to fuck off because we'll have the shit beaten out of us. Yeah. So they we're starting to realise this is wrong. How we're being treated is... Unfair. Unfair, like. Tensions were growing and Catholics and that, uh, Sorry. Tensions were growing and Catholics and Unionists alike were no longer stepping back. These tensions would lead to a three-day riot known as the Battle of the Bogside. In the summer of 1969 a Loyalist march through Derry would lead to a three day riot with many historians considering this to be the first significant confrontation of the Troubles. So the Troubles started in like 1960
3: mm.
2: and it was like boiling and bubbling but this is where they said it just it it, kicked off like properly it, kicked off. It ignited. Yeah. The ongoing civil rights movement was exposing injustices in Northern Ireland. Loyalists believed this would lead to militant republicanism and a threat to the British sovereignty in Northern Ireland. That was their biggest fear. Catholics' biggest fear was like, I can't feed my fucking children. I can't get a job. job. We're all starving and we're all dying. I can't get a house. Help us. So on the 12th of August, shocker, 15,000 apprentice boys, a Protestant group, so I said in parentheses bear in mind Derry was majority Catholic yeah. but because of gerrymandering as I mentioned earlier loyalists remained in power. So they marched to the city against police warnings because the police could feel this brewing. The route they took brought them close to the Bogside area a place with a heavily Catholic population. Bogside residents began taunting the group and they replied in kind. Don't go up there. Why are you going up there? Don't go up it's there. The trouble. You're, you're looking for it like. The apprentice boys began throwing pennies at the Bogside residents, a gesture intended to mock Catholic poverty. The Bogside residents began throwing marbles and stones, and these small acts would lead, lead way to one of the most violent riots in Northern Ireland's history. RUC units were called into the area, and Bogside residents, fearing police violence, began to close off access using old foot like furniture and wood and stuff that they had lying around. Uh, so 60 or so RUC officers entered the area followed by a group of loyalists they were attacked with bricks and homemade Molotov cocktails so these motherfuckers were ready Mm. so as the RUC continued to fight its way into Bogsite more violence erupted with RUC officers fighting Catholic residents hand to hand The Bogside residents were actually organised in their attacks. They set up a petrol bomb-making area in one resident's house and they had a radio transmitter, Radio Free Derry, broadcast messages encouraging resistance and called on, quote, every able-bodied man in Ireland who believes in freedom to defend Bogside. Bernadette Devlin would be one of the people who joined the fight in Bogside. Here's what I'll say about Bernadette Devlin. She put her money where her mouth was. Yeah. She wasn't like, oh, we need to stop this. I'm going back to my mansion. She was like, I'm getting in there. Yeah. And I'm actually going to help. And she fight. didn't have a mansion. No, she had a ramshackle house, I'm yeah. sure, with fucking five siblings in it. So, late on the twelfth of August, as the violence roared on and the roared on, the RUC bombarded the area with almost one thousand one hundred canisters of tear gas. Jesus. A response that affected the children, the elderly, and the infirm more than the rioters themselves. They just fucking tear gas the entire area. So by the next day, the rioting continued, with most of Bogside mobilized. The RAC began using arms and two people were shot. So people in Bogside like had this down. They were like, we have bomb making areas. We have places where you can get rocks. Like they were like, we're not letting them win this. Yeah. So in an effort to draw uh, police away from Bogside, the NICRA held a march with over 1500 people attending. Their thought process was, if we go out, we'll get the police to leave Bogside because we're marching and they'll just stop what they're doing. That was like their thought process. Instead, what happened was the rioters burned down an RUC police station um, and then the Unionists and the Protestants went in and burned down Catholic buildings to the ground, like homes, businesses, anything you could think of, they burned it to the ground and thousands of Catholics were forced out of their homes. They destroyed the place. So on August 13th, this is the third day of this, during a shootout between the RUC and Catholic protesters, Uh, massive trigger warning the RUC fired a Browning machine gun into the Divis Flats nine-year-old Patrick Rooney was shot and killed Uh, his father whose name is I can't see what that is his father Mr. Rooney um, had heard the rioting going on so he came home from work and he was like we're staying inside we're not going out because I can hear the rioting going on it's on the street like so he stayed inside with his wife and he had two sons and he was like, I want to try and keep them safe. He said, and um, that went on all day until that night and there was more loyal, loyalist mobs coming down Percy Street and Conway Street. The next thing I remember was armoured cars going up and down the road, firing indiscriminately into the flats. I picked Patrick up. At the time, people got the story wrong from the press that my son was shot in bed he wasn't I still blame myself to this day because I lifted my kid from one room to another and Patrick was standing against the wall oh they shot him in the back of the head nine years old just completely indiscriminately
1: into houses
2: yeah they were shooting into houses and I read one article from a British newspaper that said that the reason they were shooting into houses was because um the Nationalists had them up against the wall and they just couldn't they couldn't pay attention to what they were doing These people are trained soldiers. Yeah. They shouldn't be doing that if that's not the fucking case.
1: What was the gun?
2: Uh, A Browning machine gun. So Taoiseach Jack Lynch called the situation completely dire and asked for the intervention of the UN. Yeah. It was a machine gun. Jesus. Mm Mm-hmm. He condemned the RUC for being partisan and dangerous to the people of Ireland. He said, quote, The Irish government can no longer stand by and see uh, innocent people injured and perhaps worse. I have asked the British government to see to it that police attacks on the people of Derry should cease immediately. He also ordered ambulances to be stationed along the border with Northern yeah. Ireland. So after two days of rioting, Stormont finally asked for support from London and the B- British army was sent to Northern Ireland. <laughs> The British army agreed to not enter Bogside without permission from the residents. And they were actually largely welcomed by the Bogside area as they were seen as a much more neutral force than the RUC. Yeah. Because they were like, realistically, the British don't really care that we're Catholic or Protestant. They don't give a shit. The RUC do. Yeah. So as the rioting ceased, over 1000 people had been injured and four were dead, including that little boy. So Bernadette herself, who said years later that initially she had no interest in politics, decided that if she could stake a place in the government, she might be able to make some changes. She was like, if I can't do, if I'm like, I'm trying, it's not working. Maybe Mm -hmm. if I get into the government, I can do something. So she ran it for MP of Mid-Ulster. Her slogan was, I will take my seat and fight for your rights. Um, And this was a sign of her fully rejecting traditional Irish Republican principles of absenteeism absenteeism which was a lot of like yeah so do we might do it you know so on April 17th 1969 Bernadette Devlin became the youngest woman to be elected as an MP in Westminster on the 22nd of April a day before her birthday she swore an oath and read her maiden speech in it, she spoke about what the, atroc- the atrocity the atrocities she had witnessed at Bogside. So, I'm going to read her speech. So, some of her speech. So, she said, "I remind the honourable member of Londonderry, James, this name, Chickchester Clark, Chickchester, Chick Chester Clark, that I too was in the Bogside area on the night that he was there." As the Honourable Gentleman rightly said, there was never born an Englishman who understands the Irish people. A man who is alien to the ordinary working Irish people cannot understand them. And I therefore respectfully suggest that the Honourable Gentleman has no understanding of my people, because Catholics and Protestants are the ordinary people, the oppressed people from whom I come and whom I represent. We came to the situation in Derry when the people had had enough. Since October 5th, it has been an unashamed and deliberate policy of the unionist government to try and force an image of the civil rights movement that is nothing more than a Catholic uprising. The people in the movement have struggled desperately to overcome that image, but it is impossible when the ruling minority are the government and control not only political matters, but the so-called impartial forces of law and order. It is impossible then for us to stay quite fairly where we stand. She was saying this in the House Commons, like, she's mm. a fucking badass. How can we say that we are a non-sectarian movement and are for the rights of both Catholics and Protestants when clearly we are beaten in the Catholic areas? Never have we been, have they been beaten in the Protestant areas. When the students marched from Belfast to Derry, there was a predominant number, 283 of Protestants. The number of non-Catholics was greater than the number of Catholics. Nevertheless, we were still beaten into the Catholic area because it was in the interests of the minority and the Unionist Party to establish that we were nothing more than a Catholic uprising, just as it is in the interest of the Honourable Member of Londonderry to come up with all this tripe about the IRA. So the unionist policy has always been divide the people who are dependent upon upon them. The question of voting is tied up mainly with the question of housing. And this is something which the House has failed to understand. The people of Northern Ireland want votes, not for the sake of voting, but the sake of being able to exercise democratic rights over the controlling powers of their own areas. The present system operates in such a way that unionist control councils and even nationalist control councils discriminate against those in areas who are in the minority. I should like in conclusion to take a brief look at the future. This is where the question of British troops arise. The question before the house, in view of the apathy, neglect and lack of understanding which this house has shown to the people of Ulster, is how in the shortest space it can make up for 50 years of neglect, apathy and lack of understanding. Short of producing miracles such as factories overnight in Derry and homes overnight in practically every area, what can we do? So that was her speech. She's a badass, isn't she? She didn't give off Fuck! She didn't give a fuck. Like they hated her. They fucking hate her. Like the MPs, every MP in the House of Commons is like, "Get this one out." She didn't. She just had no respect for them. She didn't care who they were. Why would she? Why would she?
1: So this after thing of like expecting respect, respect when you
2: haven't my, given it. My great uncle was a man, a man, a man, a man. Shut the fuck up! You like
1: that trick. saying, "Respect is earned," is actually true. Yeah.
2: So after this speech, this is how much. The, after this speech unionist Christopher Bland called her quote the greatest national disaster since the famine (laughs) like she hated parliament and she had zero respect for anybody or anything going on in it she was like I hate every single one of you but I have to get in here because I have to make changes Mm. so Bernadette was still enrolled at university at this time and was about to sit her final exams however this would not happen by the spring of nineteen sixty-nine, she said, "I had, uh, refu- I had been refused permission to sit my exams, even though my lecturers and head of department said I could pass them. What? Because of my extracurricular activity, there had been a complaint made by the Tyrone Education Board, largely made up of unionist politicians. The university, as a result of, the cance- of that, cancelled the last two months of my scholarship and refused to allow me to sit my exams. And they've never apologized for it to this day. In case they're thinking of it too late, don't bother." So they wouldn't let her sit her exams. Yeah. A bunch of unionist politicians were like, she's too mouthy.
1: Yeah. And she never got to sit
2: though. No. So following the Battle of Bogside, Bernadette undertook a tour of the United States. The civil rights movement of Amer- in America was close to Bernadette's heart and she hoped to drum up some support for the movement in Northern Ireland. She hoped to raise money to help the impoverished Catholics of, of Northern Ireland. That's what she wanted. She was like, I need... Because, you know, she was out doing all this and then she was like, this is all well and good and the mouth and the talking and the MPs is all good but I go home and I see people starving in the streets. Yeah. Like, that's what, you know. Devlin was articulate and engaging and Irish Americans flocked to hear her give talks wanting to know the atrocities that were befalling Catholics. Devlin spoke of the movement, but when she began to talk about the injustices African Americans were experiencing in the US and how that too needed to be changed, her Irish American audience seemed to turn. Mm. Many Irish Americans had become very conservative and racist and could not see the hypocrisy in not fighting for basic rights for segregated people. Yeah. So they were like, What's going on in Ireland? It's shocking that they're doing this to Catholics. And then when she was like, They're doing it to black people, they were like,
1: You're doing it to black people.
2: You know. Insane, Yeah. And that is, a lot of Irish people do that. A hundred percent. We still hate immigrants. We still hate anybody coming to look for help. And I'm like, motherfucker, that's who we are. Yeah. Um, so, blah, blah, blah. Bernadette spoke at length about African-American injustice in Detroit. She refused to take the stage until African-Americans who were barred from the event were allowed in. In New York, Mayor John Lindsay arranged a ceremony to present Devlin with a key to the city of New York. Devlin, frustrated with conservative elements of the Irish-American community, left the tour to return to, Nor- excuse me, return to Northern Ireland and, believing the freedom of New York should go to the American poor, sent Eamon McCann to present the key on her behalf to a re- representative from the Harlem chapter of the Black Panther Party. So she was like, give the key to the Black Panthers. Wow. Speaking in an, in Amer- to an American news outlet, Devlin said, They were black Puerto Ricans Chicanos. And those who were supposed to be my people, the Irish Americans, who knew about English misrule and the famine and supported the civil rights movement at home and knew the partition and England were the cause of the problem, looked and sounded to me like orange men. They said exactly the same things about blacks that the loyalists said about us at home. In New York, I was given the key to the city by the mayor. An honour not to be sneezed at. I gave it to the Black Panthers. What a woman. So in 1970, after not getting a second year as MP, mainly because after that slap, she was barred from the House of Commons for six months, yeah. um, Bernadette was arrested for her part in the Bogside riots. So they arrested her. She was sentenced to six months in prison and the announcement caused further riots in Derry. Bernadette said of her involvement in the riots, quote, I was involved with people in defending their area. They were justified in defending themselves and I believe I was justified in assisting their defence. If the same circumstances arose again... I would have no problems helping them.
1: This woman is a fucking badass.
2: Darry, uh, sorry, Devlin carried out her sentence in a jail in Armagh. So they're saying between four and six months. There's not confirmed there. So in 1971, wait, hear this. Bernadette gave birth to her first child, a daughter named Roisin. Give an L Google to Roisin there. You give an L Google when you get a chance. Okay. Bernadette was unmarried at the time. And a very Catholic Ireland was not supportive of her pregnancy and it did lead to her losing a lot of support after everything she did. Fucking cunts. In 1973, Bernadette married Michael Michalisky and they were going on to have two more children together, a daughter and a son. So they had, had three kids all together. So one year later in 1974... Bernadette helped to form the Irish Republican Socialist Party, or the IRSP, with Seamus Coslow. So the IRSP was a Marxist, leninist and Irish Republican Party seeking the establishment of an all irish workers' republic. Now, here's the thing about the IRSP. Back then, that's what the IRSP was. Now, uh, they're just trying to get us to leave Europe. Yeah. So that's a whole, that's not... Stay away from that. Back then, different thing. So on the morning after the formation of the IRSP, Costello formed the INLA. Bernadette did not want to join the INLA, and in 1975 she resigned from the party when a proposal that the INLA become subordinate to the party executive was defeated. She was like, I don't want any part of this. Goodbye. So on January 16th, 1981, Bernadette and her husband survived an assassination attempt. What? Members of the Ulster Freedom Fighters, the UFF, broke into her house in County Tyrone and shot her 14 times in front of her children. What 14 the fuck? times. British soldiers had been watching Bernadette's house at the time but failed to stop the assassination attempt. So she had people outside her house watching her house because they knew there was somebody trying to kill her, trying to kill her but they failed to help her. Um, (coughs) subsequent allegations will be made that the British soldiers colluded with the UFF and allowed this to happen. She believes that. Devlin said that the soldiers quote were there to make sure the gunmen got into my house and they were caught on the way out. Bernadette argued that people were able to break into her home shoot her husband first by the way. So they cut the phone lines and used a battering ram to break into her door with British British army men outside didn't see this. Shot her husband twice he was able to shout out to her there's whatever here and then she put the, was able to put the kids in the bedroom and they came up and shot her 14 times and the army was outside and she lived she lived 14 times they shot her uh,
1: sorry uh, Bernadette Devlin's daughter yeah what the
2: fuck I, know I googled her today and I was like oh that's a whole other thing now that I'm not getting into on this podcast <laughs> yeah um, so Bernadette argued that people were able to break into her house shoot her husband and then shoot her whilst not hearing or seeing a thing She also said that the soldiers entered her house after the shooting and waited 30 minutes before calling an ambulance.
1: So they were waiting for her to die. Yep.
2: Ray Smallwoods, Tom Graham, 38, both from Lisburn, and Andrew Watson, 25, from Seymour Hill, Murray, were captured, arrested, and jailed for the crime. So I do believe what she said. I think that they were trying to get rid of her. Yeah. So in 2003... Bernadette was refused entry to the US due to her being, quote, serious threat to the security of the United States. They regarded Bernadette's arrest in 1970 as a terrorist crime. Bernadette argued against this, stating she was never involved with terrorism and had been to the state countless times since her arrest. Yeah. She's like, I wasn't terrorism. I was helping a bunch of people, like... So she currently lives in Tyrone. And in 1997, she founded STEP, which is a South Tyrone empowerment program. So it's a rights-based, non-governmental organization based in Dungannon in Northern Ireland. It provides a range of services and advocacy in areas including community development, training, support, advice for immigrants, policy work and community enterprise, with its commercial arm STL currently concentrating on interpreting and translation. She's doing fucking incredible work this Mm. morning. Bernadette said that she founded it to work with those groups of people that don't, quote, fit the peace narrative. Migrants, single parents, travellers, people with intellectual disabilities. She particularly works with migrant workers, a group that is, quote, changing the conversation in the north, which she says remains as sectarian as ever. She said, I think the Catholic and Protestant middle classes minded their manners more during the war lest they be associated with people of violence. That fear doesn't exist now. They are much freer about setting out, in their polite way, exactly the same prejudices. Everything about this place reinforces sectarianism, segregated education and segregated living. Yeah, yeah. And she's completely right. So Bernadette supported the Repeal the Eight campaign. Wait, you hear what she said? I thought it was incredible. Stating she believes abortion should be on demand. Quote, I don't need, and you are not entitled to, an explanation about what I do with me to make you feel better. You can't say some abortions are okay and some are not. You are either pro-choice or you are not. I am a hardliner and most people don't dare enunciate that view yet. I have a clear old-fashioned bottom line. Abortion on demand is a valid demand.
1: She's not fucking wrong.
2: She is not heavily involved in politics, favouring to work with people she can directly help she understands that her life could have been cut short at any point quote I look back on myself then and I am astounded I survived I took risks and mad decisions no one else would which is correct yeah Bernadette however still carries in her that need to fight against the unjust I care passionately about justice about ideas about principles I love this work I do now working with people on the margins living on the margins is where I get least bored my only interest in rules is. excuse me to see how far they can be pushed. I am always interested in boundary beyond which we're told things won't work, in where the tension is that requires change to make those things work out there. People are afraid of upsetting the apple cart, upsetting the peace process, upsetting the funding process, but part of me still needs to tip it and see how far it will tip over. And that is the story... Of a
1: fucking badass. a fucking
2: badass named Bernadette Devlin. I want a Bernadette Devlin tattoo. She is incredible. And she has done... Now, obviously, there are parts to her where I'm sure people are like... she She has... That woman did more for the North than... Politicians had done for fucking thirty, forty years. A hundred percent. Like, and not only that, she got in there and she got her hands dirty, and she was like, like she was there during Bloody Sunday. She was de- there during the Battle of Bogside. She was there when these events were going down, and she stood in and she saved people's lives. And she said she remembers, uh, I think it was a, it was during Bloody Sunday, one of the REC officers had or the British Brigade had her on the ground and was like beating her, and a guy stood in and rescued her. And pushed her out of the way And she was like I tried to stay to help him And he wouldn't let me And they just She watched as they beat this ch- kid To the fuck Like massacred him Like cracked his skull open And she was like And then I have people telling me Not to get involved And not to say anything And just say it She was shot 14 it. times 14 times And she fucking survived Yeah Who survives for 50 cents That's about it Like 14 times that woman was yeah. shot And like because she knew, she, when she, when I read that, where she was like, yeah, they." so the British armour outside and people come in with a battering ram, shot my husband, shot me, and they heard nothing in a tiny area of Tyrone. She lives in like the middle of nowhere. They're parked outside her house, Sarah Jane. So yeah, I think she's incredible. I love Bern- Bernadette Davlin. She is an amazing book. It was released actually in 1969. I'll get you the name of it if you can get a chance to read it. It's fantastic. Um... And also, can I say, obsessed with her clothes? She always looked amazing. Like she just was the most fashionable person. Mm. Um, I loved her. I was like, I love this woman. She's stunning. Uh, it is called. Do, do, do. Sorry about this one. The Price of My Soul. It was released in 1969, and it just talks about her life and. You know, I read a fraction of it where she was in primary school
1: Yeah.
2: and secondary school, sorry. And it was run by nuns and she got on very very well with the nuns and she learned fluent Irish, which was not common at the time. So She was fluent in Irish and she was so, you know, she was like, because of her father and her mother who didn't hate Protestants and she doesn't hate Protestants. She doesn't hate them. She's like, I hate the political system that allows these people to be treated better than us. The woman does not hate Protestants. She has no issue with Protestants. So that's what that's what they were doing. That's what they were portraying her as. Oh, a Protestant hater. And she's like, I don't fucking hate Protestants. Like she would stand up for them in secondary school because the nuns hated, the Catholic nuns hated the Protestants. Mm. And she'd be like, no, no, you're wrong. They haven't, like, they're just living their lives. They don't know any different. It's the government and the people in power, Ian Paisley, that are creating this. So to you get a chance to read her book, please do. She's a remarkable human being and she's doing phenomenal work still. Like, grassroots shit. But yes, that is the story of Bernadette Devlin McCalliskey. And if you get a chance to ever read her book, please do. It's fantastic. She's amazing. And she's fantastic. And she was fantastic. on Blind... There's an episode of the Blind Boy podcast where she's on it. Oh, is she? Chef's kiss. Yeah, it's phenomenal. Uh. She does... Like, just to... even you know, the people like... You meet people and they're like, I don't give a fuck. And they clearly do. She doesn't give a fuck. Yeah. It was like she was born not giving a fuck. And, like, it's remarkable to... Like... Just read her quotes. I, there's so many quotes in that because everything she says is gold. Like the things she says, I'm like, this woman doesn't give a fuck. Like I remember, was it Eamon McCann died? He was one of the INLA people and yeah. they were seen as terrorists. and blah, blah, blah. She went to his funeral and she called uh, the British media the scur of the world and she hoped they all burn in hell. And then when she was interviewed about it, she was like, you know, I don't take back what I said. She was like, except for the hell thing, I don't believe in hell. so like she did she just I just love her I'm obsessed with her and I know everybody's problematic Brenda has her issues but just as a woman in power who was using her power to just help people yeah she was like I because she grew up in poverty so a lot of these politicians that are rich (coughs) they don't understand the plight of people who are suffering no and especially Northern Ireland in like the 60s man fuck me like but yeah that's Burnett Devlin, lads. You did a really good job. Thank you. I hope you enjoyed. Um, I'll link all the articles in the notes because they're actually fantastic and you should just read them. The last article, definitely, it's about her current life and what she's doing. Oh, okay. She's amazing. So,
1: yeah, that's it. Thank you all very much for listening. Thanks, guys. That's yeah. our one hundred
2: episode. Colin, I'm going to get him to come and talk. Ding, and say, dang, dong. Collie.
0: Hey, everybody, it's Colin here. Thanks a million for <laughs> supporting us for 100 episodes. Yay. And uh, just to let you know, this is the last one. <laughs> Love Thanks
2: guys Have a lovely week Say happy Christmas Sarah Happy Christmas
0: Bye Hi Jesus Graham I need to chase. Hand me the scat bag I'm the scat bag oh, yeah. Stick me in your booty When you gotta go Just gotta go Stick me in your booty When you gotta go I know you need to Just gotta yourself go right Stick me in your booty When you gotta go And I'm here to tell you Just gotta go got Stick me in your booty When you gotta go Cause I'm the scat bag Where you really gotta be bluff a buddy group buddy bro. Buddy, 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 Scatbag, it's talking to me. Hey, Sarah Jane. Everybody does it one way or the other, so check out my message to you. If you're in a public place and you don't have the space, so you're in a real hurry and you need to poo. There's an nightly solution that doesn't cause pollution, and it's gonna be a surefire hit. Sarah Jane always carries one, Emma's gonna marry one, no pun intended. I'm the shit, I'm the scat bag. Who's the scat bag? The the Blackmapny Oh, yeah! The, the scat bag is in control And I know go. you know I'll be here when you need go. me, I am Charlie, only the only baby! And I am 100% I be i the, the scat bag? bag.